Greetings members old and new, and welcome back to the Possibility Department, your one-stop shop for the modern-day occultist. If you find yourself entertaining the possibilities of anything and everything when it comes to the great unknown, then this is the place for you. My name is Luciana and I'll be your host as we dive into what I like to call spiritual and psychological templates for living our lives, interpreting our lives, and creating change in our lives. Take what you like, toss what you don't, and remember that what we talk about on this podcast is just as far-fetched as the concept of any higher power. Alright, let's talk about some weird sh- Hey everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Possibility Department Podcast. Happy October. Thank you for being here. And speaking of October, I have created a Halloween-themed menu. I'm so excited for this. I'll put a link in the description so you can check it out. It has witchcraft and Halloween themed workshops, uh, meditations, long form videos, printables, all sorts of things for you to just really get in the spirit and have fun with it because why not? We only have this one life as far as we know. So let's have fun with it. Let's have fun in every possible moment that we can. Uh, So I'm really excited that I created this and I made it available to all of my patrons on Patreon. This means that you can get $100 worth of workshops this month for $5. My workshops have historically been $25 each to attend them live. I have the replays available and I have made four of them available for the $5 level. So this month you can get $100 worth of workshops for $5 dollars for five dollars and that's not even all i made a ton of halloween themed meditations affirmation tracks audio spells available for the five dollar level plus my Samhain day of the dead video from last year which is like 30 minutes and i even show uh my own personal day of the dead altar uh my halloween themed ancestral printables i have a printable bundle called the ancestral files It's really beautiful, if I do say so myself. It's decorated with, you know, skeletons and such. Uh, But it's a printable bundle that's designed for you to sort of document, you know, your ancestors, anything that you can remember that you don't want to be forgotten or left to history. Uh, It has, like, sections for basic information about them, you know, like appearance, where they were born, and then specific sections for, like, stories that you remember about them. It has sections for heirlooms where you can write down anything you have left over from them and then the story behind that. It's really made for the purposes of documentation, right? To make sure that their story doesn't go unwritten. Um, And also there's a section for like any kind of symbols or signs that you associate with them for any kind of communication that you feel you may have had with them over time and dreams and things like that. It's really fun. So I've made all of that available to my $5 patrons. If you're not sure what this means, patronage is a way that you can support me and support what I create, and there's no obligation. You can be a patron for a little bit and then, you know, exit out whenever you want or cancel out whenever you want, but for $5 a month, you can help support my podcast and support what I do and support me to continue to grow, and then in return, you get this huge library of stuff that you get to go through. So the reason why this is important is because this is all premium, higher level content that costs more, and I'm making it available only this month. 
only for October is kind of like a Halloween gift, a Halloween fun prize, a Halloween thing. Um, so it's only going to be available this month at the $5 level. November 1st, all of those things are going to go back to their respective levels, um, which is, you know, the higher levels at maybe $15 a month or whatever. So if, you're, if you've been thinking about joining, now is the time, this is the month, and you can cancel if you want before November 1st. You don't have to stay, but at least give it a shot, give it a try, see what you like in there, um, especially the meditations. I mean, I have like the Natural Witch Affirmation Track, which is just designed to make you feel really powerful, set to awesome music. It's 14 minutes. It's great to sort of leave in the background. I have a Dancing with Demons meditation where you sort of meet, um, you go to the back of your mind, the metaphorical back of your mind, and you sort of meet your inner demon that's been keeping you back or holding you back. I have a poetic one called the Cauldron Intention Brew. It's just, it's really, really fun stuff. And this is all in addition to what you already get at the $5 level, right? So for $5 a month, you get access to all of my private podcasts, which adds up to like 70 something episodes, I think. You get access to my whole printable library and all of my videos. So this is on top of all that. On top of all that, you're getting $100 worth of workshops. And those workshops are the tea leaf reading workshop, the pendulum use workshop, the sigil crafting workshop, and the astral altar workshop. Those are the four that are going to be available for just $5. They're each a minimum, I think, of like 40 minutes. So make sure you set aside some time to actually do them. But yeah, and you know, at the $5 level, you get access to the Discord community chat, so you can come in there and chat with our whole community. Like I said, we've been doing a tarot challenge. Um, it's really, really fun. So I would love to meet you in there. I would love to know you. I like getting to know my listeners. I hope to see you over there. Um, while we're on that note, Remember, I can't go any further without thanking my sponsor-level patrons that make this possible. So thank you to my level three patrons, Hannah, Sydney, Brianna, Jewel, Amy, Mariella, Erica, Brittany, Ingrid, Tara, Myriad, Noel, and Sarah. Thank you so much for supporting me over on level three on Patreon. And without further ado, let's talk about Halloween, shall we? Let's talk about why and how Halloween and Day of the Dead, why did it end up in this sort of same clump of days, the 31st to November 2nd, All Souls Day, All Saints Day? Why is it all clumped together like this? Is it because different civilizations intuitively felt that this is a good time to honor the dead? No, it's not because of that. It is because of... Dun, 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 dun colonization yeah Woo. i know i know it sucks it sucks but let's let's go right let's start from the beginning shall we i do want to quickly just before we get too far into it give the disclaimer that of course i'm not a historian i'm not a scholar but this is something that really interests me that i've been looking into i guess for the past couple of years especially as i've been doing season of the witch and just generally wondering why things are the way they are uh, it started last year with a genuine interest of why is Day of the Dead and Halloween in the same in the same clump of days? That doesn't make any sense because I really thought maybe intuitively the two civilizations that had no contact with each other um, felt that that was a good time to commune with the dead and that was not it. So, uh, you know, all that being said, I'm not a historian. My sources are on the internet. However, my source list is listed below. So, um, you know, 
you're free to rummage through it if you want. And without further ado, let's let's get into it. Okay. Um, Halloween. Halloween is sort of the uh, the descendant of an ancient Celtic holiday called Samhain. And I'm going to be a little brief about this because I go into this pretty extensively, I would say, in my Season of the Witch series over on Patreon, which I did last year during October, and I'm doing this year during October as well. Um, and I go to into it more extensively there, so I'll keep it brief. Samhain is an ancient Celtic holiday, um, and I say ancient because the first recorded documentation of it was in the first century AD on a bronze tablet uh, found in modern-day France. So, shit's old. <laughs> it's old. Um, so it's a Celtic holiday in which, and this is all going to sound very familiar, um, some of the customs were to dress up at that time maybe with animal skins or different masks made, um, and you would carry treats in your pockets was another custom. Why? Because this day, October 31st, was supposed to be a day in which the veil between the world of the living and the supernatural, not just the dead, but the supernatural, um, the veil between those two worlds was was thin. It was at its thinnest. It was open, essentially, during this one time. And so this meant that good spirits had access to the living world, such as perhaps your ancestors or loved ones who have passed, but also bad spirits had access to the living world. Um, you know, things from the other world that are undescribable, uh, creatures, even the fae, as they, as they call it, right? The, the fairies. There's a lot of lore around the fairies and how uh, they would steal people or steal children or people would go missing because the fae took them. Um, the fae also had access to the living world on this day. So, it was a day in which you could walk through the night and many ghouls and ghosties and um, unknown things might have had access to you. And so the purpose of the costumes and the animal skins and so forth was to confuse the spirits. And the purpose of carrying treats in your pockets was to possibly bribe a, a spirit or um, a spook. <laughs> an unnamed spook, a creature, right? This day also marked um, a new year for the Celts. It marked the end of the summer and sort of the, the harvest, the beginning of the dark, cold winter, right? For, I think, probably more ancient civilizations than just the Celts, but the, the year was divided basically into two halves, right? The light half and the dark half. And, I mean, I think psychologically that rings true for me now. Yeah. <laughs> I associate one part of the year with, you know, the light sunny half and the other part of the year with kind of the, the darker half. It makes sense, right? So there was this division between the two halves of the year. And the night of Samhain um, was the end of summer. It was the harvest and it was it was the beginning of like the, the cold, dark winter. And as a result, there would also be feasts in which you would kind of use up and eat up any of the... Um, extra food or drink that maybe would go bad during the winter. So there was kind of like this excess of food and you would consume it. And in some traditions, you would leave a place open for your uh, past ancestor or loved one. Another big part of the celebration was very large bonfires in which people would gather. Um, and some sources say they were animal sacrifice. Other sources say that there definitely weren't, that that's an exaggeration. But um, according to history.com, 
it says that there were animal sacrifices. So if we believe history.com, then... <laughs> and I I don't feel like that would be out of the ordinary, right? I don't, I don't know. I don't frown upon ancient people who did ritual animal sacrifice. I don't even really see it as weird, right? I mean, today, in today's world... I think that there are traditions in which, you know, if you pray to your your deity or your saints or whatever, you sometimes offer to give something up, right? You offer to give up what you have. So, you know, if you, with saints, I think this is a good example, people who make promises to saints, that's something that I witnessed somewhat in my childhood. Um, You make a promise to a saint and ask basically, oh, if you fulfill this thing for me, then I will give up this other thing. You give up what you have. And, you know, these ancient people, they had a goat, they had a cow, they had X, Y, Z. And if they didn't sacrifice it, they were going to eat it anyways. It's not like we were living in the era of veganism. So I, do, <laughs> I don't think it's, it's, a, a, it's a stretch, you know what I mean? And I don't e- even think that it's abnormal or weird or necessarily bad when you look at the time that we're in here. You know, that's, that's just kind of part of it. So they would, uh, you know, commemorate with these giant bonfires. And I even read from one source, which I will link, I'll try to find it, um, that the word bonfire is actually derived from bone fire. uh, Because in these big bonfires, they would burn animals and sacrifices, therefore they would burn bones. Um, And so that's where bonfire comes from. It's bone fire. Isn't that... Isn't that great? So, like, next time you're having, like, a family trip or something like that, or you're going camping or whatever, think of that when you light a bonfire, that uh, it could potentially be a bone fire if things got violent. Yikes, that was a morbid joke. Okay, moving on, moving on. So, the veil between the worlds is thin during this time, right? Making things like divination easier, making things like fortune-telling easier. That was a part of some of the traditions as well. And keep in mind, some of these traditions may pertain to different dates along the timeline. Um, The Celts, for the most part, had more of an oral history. So unfortunately, a lot of what we know about them was documented from other people who called them, quote, barbarians, unquote, uh, which sucks. Important to note that when we think of the Celts and Celtic culture, we immediately think of Ireland and the Irish. Um, And that makes sense because the... I think we have the Irish and the Scottish to, to thank largely for keeping a lot of those older Celtic traditions alive. In fact, they are responsible for bringing a lot of those really cool traditions to America, like pumpkin carving, uh, which for them used to be turnip car- carving until they immigrated here and then it became pumpkin carving. Um, so big thumbs up. Thanks to the Scottish and Irish for keeping those alive. But it's worth it to note that the Celts were kind of identified more as this big Central European group. It was a tribal culture, right? And they weren't super unified, I guess you could say. They had somewhat of a unifying language, but I think that there were distinct differences in certain cultures across because they were such a huge group, possibly the largest European group during that time. And over time, they even spread as far, you know, from Central Europe all the way to Spain and even Portugal, which I talk about in my last season of the Witch Podcast on Patreon. Uh, definitely check that out. It was a really fun one. And also Turkey. So so they kind of spread like far and wide, right? And I've even seen people argue that 
you know, technically they were even a multi-ethnic group. So does it even make sense to historically regard them all as one people, just as the Celts when they were so massive? Um, but that's neither here nor there. I just want to kind of put that out there and recognize that, you know, the Celts, quote, were a very large and somewhat diverse group. Okay, so now we know what Samhain is. We know that Samhain is ancient, right? It's been around for a long ass time. So around 43 AD, the Romans conquer the Celts, right? And, uh, start killing them in droves and are largely responsible for the erasure of a lot of Celtic culture. So with the Romans, they sort of bring to the table their own festivals of the dead that they have on different dates, right? One of them being Parentalia, which was a festival to honor your ancestors. And that was a nine-day festival beginning on the 13th of February and concluding on the 21st of February with the last day of the festival being Feralia. So this was a festival to sort of um, honor your family ancestors, right? Kind of like Day of the Dead today, except for a nine-day Roman version of it, to keep it short. So that was one of them. The other one was Lemuria. These are Roman holidays, right? Um, Lemuria was celebrated on three days. It was May 9th, May 11th, and May 13th. And this was also a festival for the dead, but honored um, something called lemurs. It's L-E-M-U-R-E-S, which were kind of like ghouls, I guess you could say. They were dangerous dead, dangerous people, people who died deaths that maybe were um, graphic or painful or such and sort of became scary spirits. Uh, they're described as generally scary, right? Think more like monstrous. This is not like your Gam Gam coming back to tell you she loves you. <laughs> this is, um, you know, a spirit who's coming to really F shit up. So Lemuria was a festival sort of commemorating those spirits and there were certain practices that you would partake in to ensure, you know, your safety and the safety of your family and such. So we have these two Roman holidays, one being Parentalia, this festival to honor your beloved dead, your family ancestors, and then the other Lemuria celebrated in May to commemorate those who died maybe violent or untimely deaths and became sort of evil spirits, so to speak. So these are the two Roman holidays that we have. We also have a um, commemoration of the goddess Pomona. Uh, she was associated with fruits and the harvest and her symbol was an apple. Uh, and some people say that that's why we have the symbology around uh, bobbing for apples and why apples became sort of synonymous with that time. However, the Celts also had their own associations with the apples, so who knows exactly where that came from. So now the Romans have conquered the Celts and we have sort of this mixing ideas of Samhain and the Roman festivals of the dead, right? So in 609 AD, Pope Boniface, I'm going to assume that's how we say his name, uh, Boniface IV, he rededicated the Roman pantheon, the temple, to all the Roman gods, right? The Romans at this time are polytheistic, right? We have the pantheon of Roman gods. Um, so Pope Boniface, he rededicated the Roman pantheon, this temple, to all their gods, to Christian martyrs and made May 13th, which is the final day of Lemuria, it's the final day of this festival to sort of the evil dead, 
he made May 13th the feast day of all martyrs, right? So there's this effort here to sort of, you know, Christianize that which is pagan. You know, we're taking this temple that's dedicated to all these gods and we are instead dedicating it to Christian martyrs. Oh, and by the way, we're going to take this date that is significant and we are going to rededicate it to Christianity as well. So that happened. But this is in May, right? This is the festival of the dead that the Romans have in May. And then two centuries later, Pope Gregory IV, he expanded the festival to also include All Saints, hint, hint, All Saints Day, and then moved it to November 1st. Mm -hmm. November 1st is All Saints Day. So eventually we have this, this Christian holiday of All Saints Day that falls after the traditional day of Samhain, which is October 31st, and was originally created to sort of absorb the Roman um, festival of the evil dead, which is Lemuria. So we're kind of, you know, we're trying to lump it all into this one place and we're trying to squeeze all the pagan out of it and just make it as Christian as possible. It's great, right? It's, it's great. So later on in history, we have the addition of All Souls Day. So All Saints Day is November 1st. It becomes a day to celebrate all of the saints, the Christian martyrs, and I guess somewhere over time also becomes a day to commemorate the baptized Christians who presumably have gone to heaven, just your regular Joes and Joannes who end up in heaven. Although, I don't know how we would necessarily confirm that. I don't know if my grandma went to heaven, who am I to say? But hey, that's what you would commemorate on November 1st, All Saints Day. Later on in history came All Souls Day, November 2nd, and that became reserved to praying for those who got stuck in purgatory, um, praying for those who were baptized as Christians but are believed to be in purgatory because they, quote, died with the guilt of lesser sins on their souls, unquote. That is from Britannica. Uh, so another quote from Britannica about who was credited with this uh, it says, the institution of a day for general intercession on November 2nd is due to Odilo, the abbot of Cluny, who died in the year of 1048. The date, which became practically universal before the end of the 13th century, was chosen to follow All Saints Day, November 1st. Having celebrated the feast for all members of the church who are believed to be in heaven, the church on earth turns on the next day to commemorate those souls believed to be suffering in purgatory. Now, I have seen accounts saying that this Saint Odilo, that there is no way that we can necessarily confirm that he is the one who is responsible for All Souls Day. However, this is Britannica that is listing him as the person responsible. Another Christian source says, uh, Saint Odilo was a holy abbot of a Benedictine monastery located in Cluny, France. This monastery became highly influential during the Middle Ages and played a crucial role in the development of monastic life. During his time at Cluny, Saint Odilo instructed his monks to pray for the souls in purgatory on the day following All Saints Day. There are various legends regarding this institution. So we have All Saints Day, we have All Souls Day. Another word for saints is hallows. And um, Eve being evening, eventually October 31st, the day that is traditionally the day of Samhain, became known as All Hallows Eve. Why? Because it is the evening before All Saints Day. Um, Hallow is saint or holy. 
Um, and so it's basically the day before All Saints Day. It became All Hallows Eve, which eventually became Halloween. But it originates from Samhain, but it got that name because of All Saints Day. But All Saints Day only exists because it was supposed to absorb Samhain and the Roman holidays. Oh my god, here we go. So eventually what we have is November 1st is All Saints Day. November 2nd becomes All Souls Day. And All Hallows Eve sort of comes before them and incorporates the traditions of Halloween, right? All Hallows Eve is... October 31st. So what we have now is a clump of days that contains a bunch of mixed weird traditions from Samhain, Lemuria, and Parentalia, and even maybe the harvest uh, celebration of the goddess Pomona, all in this mishmash of clump of days that is attempting to sort of uh, Christianize the, the connection with the dead, right? Because, I mean, I guess traditionally speaking, it, it, I guess in Christianity, it would be generally frowned upon for you to like reach out and attempt to connect with the dead, right? But old habits die hard, right? So if, if people aren't discontinuing those practices, then perhaps you have to try and put a label on it and make it okay that they're practicing those things. So you have to make it seem like that's what... That's what you were planning in the first place. That's fine. This is this is fine. This is all Christian and this is good because we said so. Now, so we have all that in in Samhain, right? All of that lumped into Samhain. And I'm not going to talk too much about it because I talked about it on Patreon in my Season of the Witch series. But, you know, then over time, the Irish and the Scottish bring over a lot of the Celtic traditions to the U.S. And Halloween becomes popularized in the U.S. But we're not really going to focus on that too much. Let's head over to Mexico, shall we? To the time of the Spanish conquest in the 16th century. Colonizers then combined Mexican traditions of the dead with the same clump of days, November 1st, November 2nd, All Saints Day, All Souls Day. Indigenous Mexican folks already had their own festival of the dead in the July-August area of the calendar, and that got moved into the same clump of existing dates that was already absorbing a bunch of other pagan holidays. They just lumped it right in. The origins of Day of the Dead actually obviously have nothing to do with Halloween or Samhain or Parentalia or Lemuria or anything like that. Um, it comes from a two-month-long festival that dates back to the Aztecs, and I even read from another source that I'm going to have to look through and figure out which one. I read a lot of things that it dates back way further than that, that um, it might even date back to Toltec uh, civilizations. But I'm going to go ahead and read an excerpt from the book Ceremonies of the Seasons by Jennifer Cole, which if you're into seasonal um, traditions, I really recommend because what I appreciate the most about this book is a lot of seasonal books are so like Eurocentric, uh, and this one is not. It gives you a lot of seasonal traditions from all over the world, which I definitely appreciate because it's so cool to look at the differences and the similarities. Um, more similarities than you would expect, which is really cool. So I'm going to read an excerpt from it. In Mexico today, Catholic meanings attached to Halloween have been mixed with traditions from the Aztec world. The journey to the Aztec underworld was fraught with peril. If a soul survived the journey, it could attempt to bribe the skeletal gods who presided over the underworld to secure privileged treatment. 
The Aztecs set aside the ninth month of the calendar to honor the souls of dead children and the tenth month to honor the adults with abundant offerings and lavish feasts. However, under Catholic rule of the Spanish conquistadores, the two-month celebrations were compressed into two days, All Saints Day and All Souls Day, which fell on the first two days of November. Today, children are remembered on November 1st and adults on November 2nd. I have read as well that part of the original celebrations were to honor the Aztec goddess of the dead or lady of the dead named Mitekatsiwat. I hope I pronounced that right. I had to look up a video on how to pronounce it, Mitekatsiwat. <laughs> I tried. This goddess, the Lady of the Dead, along with her husband, would govern over the land of the dead. It was her job to govern and uh, guard, I guess you could say, the bones of the dead. Uh, it was also her job to preside over these festivals of the dead, and I suppose to ensure that they are properly honoring uh, the dead and those who reside in the land of the dead. There seems to be few surviving myths that surround her. Um, there seems to be more that surrounds her her husband. However, one of the ways that she's depicted is she's often depicted with a, uh, a wide open skeletal jaw. And that is said to be so that she can swallow the stars and make them disappear during the daytime. She's also depicted with a skirt made out of serpents, which is really cool, but... Um, I really love the idea of swallowing the stars during the day. I love myths like that that explain nature and, and the reason why things are the way they are. That also to me is reminiscent of uh, Egyptian mythology, the goddess of night, Nut, I think. She sort of stretches her body over the earth um, so that the sun is covered. Also the Egyptian myth of the sun god Ra, uh, the falcon-headed god who had the sun disk on his head, right? The literal sun is on his head. He would travel in a boat across the sky, which is why you would see the sun moving across the sky. And when the sun was setting, that meant he was setting into or like diving into the underworld and the 12 gates of the underworld and each of them took one hour to pass through hence the 12 hours of darkness and the 12 hours of night um and he had to sort of fight his way through those so every time the sun would rise in the east that meant that Ra was rising in the east um and that he had made his way through the 12 gates of the underworld uh yeah I I love things like this I love I love myths that explain nature and why things are the way they are uh which is why it's sad that a lot of that got lost and a lot of it isn't um, documented, right? So this is a quote from history.com. It says, Upon dying, a person was believed to travel to Mictlan, the land of the dead. Only after getting through nine challenging levels, a journey of several years, could the person's soul finally reach Mictlan, the final resting place. In Nahua rituals honoring the dead, traditionally held in August, family members provided food, water, and tools to aid the deceased in this difficult journey. This inspired the contemporary Day of the Dead practice in which people leave food and other offerings on their loved ones' graves or set them out on makeshift altars called ofrendas in their homes. So with that being said, I have also also read that um, in Spain on All Souls Day and All Saints Day, I guess, combined, 
Um, in the Middle Ages, I believe, people also had a custom of going to cemeteries and visiting their departed loved ones and bringing bread and wine and such. And so those traditions likely combined with the already existing indigenous traditions, therefore creating the Day of the Dead that we know today, where um, you honor your loved ones by building an altar and putting things on that altar that they would love. Uh, although there are more, I guess you could say, traditional... I've seen writings from people um, talking about more traditional altars um, and how there are certain things that you need to include, like you need to include a glass of water because they're making their way all the way from the land of the dead uh, to this land, the land of the living. And so when they get there to the altar you created for them, obviously they're going to be thirsty, so you need to have a glass of water. And that, I think is reminiscent of, of what I, the quote I just read, right? The, the journey to Miklan or Miklan, I think is how it's pronounced, uh, and how it takes several years for you to get to that land of the dead. And so during that festival, they would put out what you would need to aid you on your journey. It's very reminiscent of that. So we have a mishmash, a mishmash of, um, different cultures, all coming into one, into this one clump of All Souls Day, All Saints Day, Samhain, Day of the Dead. Uh, and if you're on Patreon at all, if you've listened to me for any period of time, you know Day of the Dead is something that I celebrate every year now. Um, I am Brazilian, so that's not something that we have uh, in my family, or I'm Brazilian-American, and on neither side do I have anything like that. Um, but I am married to a Mexican man, and that is something that we have started practicing together every year that we really love. Uh, and we are really modern with it. We don't necessarily follow any, like, specific... Um, any specific standards, although we do like a lot of tissue paper and we do like several different levels and then we usually put on the altar things that our departed loved ones really liked. So for example, my great grandmother gets gumdrops and his grandmother gets um, a very specific beer. And you know, again, if you've listened on Patreon for any amount of time, you know that that is something that I value so much and I love so much. I love that practice. There is no better feeling than the night of Day of the Dead when you spend all of that time cleaning your house and getting ready for like this visit uh, and then building the altar. It's such a conscious practice and last year we even baked. We made cookies like Sugar Skull Day of the Dead cookies and the last step, at least for us, is always to light the candles. You do that last and that sort of like lights the beacon that invites the dead into your home, essentially. And, you know, I, I don't know, maybe it's a placebo, maybe it's not, but it, the air feels electric. It feels like anything could happen in that moment. It, it, it truly feels like anything is possible in that moment. The moment that you light those candles, it feels like anything is possible. And that is a beautiful feeling that I am so grateful for. I'm so grateful that what has survived of those traditions has survived and that I've, I've been able to enjoy the gift of it in my life. It's, it's beautiful and it's wonderful. So I'm grateful. I'm so grateful for the things that have survived from Day of the Dead, from Samhain, from the Roman holidays, from all of those things. I'm I know that they're all lumped into one 
one clump and that sucks and it sucks that a lot of it probably got stomped out over time and we'll never know but I'm grateful for what has survived because it infuses a little magic into our lives so with that I hope you enjoyed this episode I hope you'll join us over on patreon I hope I get to meet you in our discord chat Um, I hope to get to know you and I hope you'll head over there and listen to my season of the witch episodes the Uh, episodes that I did for last year from October last year. They're available to the $5 level. My first episode was about popular magic and how it used to historically, I guess, the historical indication is that it used to be something that was just kind of woven into the fabric of everyday life, right? Things like throwing salt over your shoulder or, you know, I don't know, clapping three times when XYZ happens, whatever. That's just an example. But little superstitions, things that feel like little spells, they used to just be kind of part of the fabric of everyday life until the witch trials and then things like that started getting criminalized. My second episode is about um, how women are vilified, whether they've practiced or not historically. And then in the third episode, I talk about Uh, witchcraft in modern day in the age of instant gratification um, and kind of the different views that we have going around in in witchcraft and the community quote unquote Uh, so that's all available to level one at the five dollar level on patreon and then I just released the series for this year um, my new season of the witch series which I'm continuing in numerical order so this one's volume four and that one was about um Kuka or Koko or Koka or Kukui, which is this Iberian ghost story that has stretched across cultures. Um, My husband grew up hearing about the Kukui in Mexican culture. I grew up hearing a lullaby about Kuka in Brazilian culture and come to find out that it's all the same really old Iberian ghost story um, that is somehow intertwined with the jack-o'-lantern and Celtic culture as well. So go listen to that one. Go go head on over there, man. Come join us. We're having fun. We're having fun. I'd love to meet you. Additionally, if you like free stuff, sign up for my newsletter. I am releasing Halloween-themed printables all month long, and that's going to be like live on my newsletter. So maybe like once a week or something, I'm going to be releasing a new one. They're essentially just going to be like Halloween stationery, which I'm really excited about. I might try and like fit in a planner in there somewhere some kind of like fun October planner if I have time to make one but I'm going to be releasing that for free all month long on my newsletter so sign up and at the moment of sign up you also get access to a 15 minute uh, elemental activation track this is a track with a bunch of affirmations that are designed to help you sort of align all of your elements earth air fire water so everything that corresponds with those I created affirmations around them to help you feel nice and balanced and cool and collected and hopefully powerful by the time you walk away and that's a 15 minute track set to music so get access to that for free you get access to a bunch of printables for free it's a no-brainer man sign up sign up for my newsletter and get some free stuff and i hope you have a great week ahead of you a great month ahead of you if you enjoy my podcast please consider leaving me a review it helps me a lot and stay mysterious